Should we do any quick intro? I don't know if we should do a quick intro. This is sort of the thing where the I'll people... I'll do a quick intro. Well, see, I'm, I'm assuming this will be part of the intro, since I'm not planning on editing this really at all. This is just a, hey, we're keeping it real. We're we're talking about stuff, and exactly we're reacting to a thing. So we can start right now. Yeah, well, I'll start. you do it. Hey, everyone. This is Ryan. I'm joined here by Michael. Hello. How's it going, Michael? Hi. Uh, I... Today... <laughs> oh no! I don't care. No, <laughs> <laughs> I've I've been worse, but yeah, I'm, I'm I'm doing fine. I'm doing okay. Keep keep going with your intro. Yeah. You were doing a good job there. Of course. Uh, today we're going to be doing something a little bit different. Yeah, we found a podcast that is called The Worst of All Possible Worlds. Yeah. and found out that they did a review of some sort of uh, Down Gilead Lane. Mm-hmm. And yeah. from what I've heard from Michael, it's not positive. No, it's it's not really. So there are for for context, I They're do even a, more negative than us. <laughs> I do a lot of reaction or I do a lot of listening to some video commentary or like YouTube film reviewers and things like that. And something I've learned through that is that it's important to be able to listen to other people's arguments and respond to them in a coherent way. And what this podcast will sort of be is we'll be listen, taking a look at some, I guess, I don't know if it's Gilead hate or if they're just trolling or if it's they actually love Gilead or, or what's going on here. But we'll kind of break down what's going on with this podcast who's talking about Gilead and whether their arguments that they make are actually valid or not. And if we have any responses to them, uh, fair warning, they swear. Quite a lot. So this might not be the podcast for you, but I'm going to do my best to bleep out all of the, the, the little bits and bobs here and there that they say. So you, you should put ah over all the bad words. Maybe <laughs> might be more trouble than just putting in a beep. But if that's if that's the case, it would be iconic. I don't have a lot of motivation to edit this beyond just those yeah. couple beeps here and there. So we we will see. But. Anyway, yeah, this podcast is called The Worst of All Possible Worlds, and they seem to be a podcast similar to other ones that I've seen in the the Christian sort of ex-evangelical uh, base, in that they review Odyssey episodes, and they seem to be coming at it from a, hey, we were once in this subgroup, and we're going to talk about all the reasons why it's kind of harmful. So I, instantly I'm kind of like, hmm, okay, well, give me your arguments, and, and let's see what's going on here. And they have this special episode that was released on April 5th, 2023. They call it episode 81, Ease On, Down Gilead Lane, Cole Rainy Days, part 41. So I was instantly like, wait a minute, is is there more uh, of this podcast somewhere? And they they just, oh, and they have a Patreon. So maybe it's just locked behind a paywall. But I was like, oh, wow, there's another Gilead podcast. Well, let's listen Uh, to it. It looks like I'm seeing, I'm seeing other videos from this channel. So it looks like um, they do a different topic each episode yeah so it's not like each episode is on return to gilead right down right. gilead lane or and anything. spoiler alert this is a joke um they actually don't have a series called color rainy days this is only the first episode they've done talking about gilead and even though it's released on april 5th they're making it their april fools one of their april fools episodes from what i can gather uh-huh. so that's the that's the context for this this is going to be my first jump into i guess talking about this sort of podcast and hopefully Ryan, you will, you'll be here to break it down yeah. and, and get yeah, this will be interesting. Cause I am far from ex evangelical or anything. Like I still hold to the tenets of Christian faith and believe and love Jesus with all my heart. Mm-hmm. And simply like if, if anyone ever doubted that on this podcast, <laughs> when I brought up any critiques on down Gilead lane or beyond Gilead episodes, my main beef with it is not 
that I think that Christianity is bad, but rather that I think that the way that they're handling the lessons could be better. Oh, yeah. So yeah. I think it'll be in, I think it'll be interesting since I come at it from a no, you're 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 not dividing this theology properly kind of perspective. How I'll like whether I'll agree with them on things <clears throat> or whether I'll be like, nope, you're even worse. Right. <laughs> we'll so find out. So the 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 contrast here is when I was struggling with the Wadfam Chalkpod's review of Modesty is the Best Policy, which talks about what kind of dresses are appropriate for girls to wear in a kind of a uh-huh. tongue-in-cheek way. The way that you handled it, Ryan, was sitting me down and saying, okay, well, let us let me give you this example. Let's talk about how this, like, what the biblical form of modesty is, like, what, what the definition is. Let's look, look through the Bible. Let's also look yeah. at other cultures and see if this could be a cultural thing. Whereas the way the Wadfam Chalkpod handled it was, isn't that so stupid? Whitaker's not a great guy. I'm like, oh, (laughs) definitely the intellectual route right there. Yeah. Yeah. So if you agree with these people, you're obviously going to find this podcast very entertaining. If you don't agree, then maybe you need somebody like us to help you break it down. Or you can like if you want to go listen to this or watch this, there'll be a link in the description to go watch this yourself. I again, warning, because there's swearing in it. If you're not if you're not a fan of that, I'm not a fan of that. But we're going to do our best to go through this and break it down for you. So, ready to go, Ryan? See how it looks. Okay, let's, let's go. Uh, or see how it sounds. Okay. Hey, everyone. It's Josh. Uh, before we get into today's episode, just wanted to announce that we are doing a live show in April. And That sounds fantastic. We should totally go to that. What do you think? <laughs> we do time travel, so. <laughs> and we would love to see you there. Uh, it's on Thursday, April 27 at Caveat. Yeah, yeah, we can still go to that. <laughs> You don't know yeah, when we're recording this. Show is called <laughs> "The Worst of All Possible Worlds." Presents Brian is back. The 85th episode. They've got McGee music in there. Spect- they've got what? Uh, oh yeah, they've, they've they've got McGee and me music. Oh, I mean that makes sense if they're talking about evangelical circles and and media. No, and stuff that, like that is appropriate. Yep. Ah, uh, that that throws, that takes me back. You guys can't see it, but they've got the their their title card, which is the season ten art, but with I, what I assume is their faces plastered onto the characters. And they've got uh, the worst of all possible worlds, 81 up at the top. Ease on down Gilead Lane, Call of Rainy Days is sort of the title. And they, they, they do have, they put a fair bit of effort into making this parody kind of convincing. So I was like, hmm, is it, are they, they actually doing this podcast? No, they're not. But anyway, yeah, this is, this is what Return to Gilead could be if we had more money and more time. But anyway, let's keep going. Spectacular live from New York City. Uh, if you can make it in person, tickets are fifteen dollars in advance. Twenty dollars. Go go buy Down Gilead Lane instead. Go go buy seasons of them instead instead of paying for, for that. Just just saying. Maybe better use of your money. Dollars on the. Can't make it in person. There's a live stream. Tickets are ten bucks for that. And if you're a Patreon subscriber, you can get five bucks off. So for more details about that, go. To- oh well, Ryan's internet just died. That's fun. Well, I'm just gonna keep talking here. So I I don't find the. I don't find the the format that they do or the production quality of this podcast particularly a, a problem at all at all. I, th- I think it's good to be confident in your own work and be promoting you you know if you're doing a live show or stuff like that. I don't know how big this audience is, but I, I think it's important that when there are people who do appreciate this stuff that you explain exactly why like actually like people who appreciate Gilead like me you explain why to them. Well, yeah, here's here's the issues we have with this. We can make fun of it along the way if it's so clearly wrong, but in the meantime, let's talk about how to bring other people into the discussion. So, 
For example, when I'm talking about the heart of the treasure, I make it very, very clear throughout that whole review, and Ryan does too, to give reference after reference after reference to this is our values. These are the Morrison's values. This is what they've been presented to be in the past on the show. And in the future, what what do we want to see from these episodes? And, and why is this, why does this set a bad precedent for an episode? I think he's back. Are you back, Ryan? Back. Thank there you. we go. I was just chatting, just talking for a little bit. You you wanna you wanna continue? Yeah. Okay. Is the watch together? Back in. Is the watch together working for you? Yeah, it's back at zero. Oh no no. Well, let's let's skip it. Oh to no, there it goes. To worst. Okay, thirty four. Okay, I'm scrubbing to thirty two. Here we go. So for more details about that, go to worstpossible.world. That's our website. All the details are there. We hope to see you there. If if any of you guys do actually listen to this podcast, let us know. Uh, let us know how they are in episodes other than this one. But anyway, gents, I have some deeply sad news. Uh, I, I don't. I don't. Okay. I don't want to open the podcast with something like this depressing, like right off the bat. But oh, sure, sure. You know how much this means to me, so mm. I. I just. I feel like I should clear the air. You sound like um, you're about to cry. Yeah. No. 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 It's okay. It's okay. okay. I just. I um, have to get. They seem to have a pretty good dynamic, at least of the three of them. Seems like they enjoy doing this, at least. They sound like they have kind of dynamic microphones, too. Like the audio quality is pretty good. Yeah, yeah, I need to, I need to get one of those microphones. Through this, I just... Here we go, all right. Sonic the Hedgehog is dead. That's not canon. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is reminding me, this is giving me vibes of when they did the... Oh, what was it? It was the I think it was the April Fool's stuff that they did for... Um, the ceiling fan podcast. Oh, and like Kevin died <laughs> in like a freak skiing accident, and now Garrett and I are just gonna, you know, carry on the podcast together. <laughs> or it kind of reminds me of uh, I was thinking when you mentioned that of you had the Brendan McFarland is the the leader of the what was it the Star Corps, and then cutting out to hey uh, uh hey guys we we just totally made that up and then they have. Just Garrett and Kevin talking back and forth for a whole episode. But yeah, it's kind of just breaking out like that. But yeah, no, no, that's... I don't even know if I remember that. When did... <laughs> when did Kevin die? I it was... I'm pretty sure it was April Fool's, like, the okay. third season or something. Okay. Go back and listen to the ceiling fan. Tell us, tell us what you think about that, too. Uh, my mouse is not responding to me. That's a little sad. Anyway, continue. Uh, yeah. What? Yeah. He passed away and was violently murdered on a train. There's now an investigation into his death. Tails is wearing a very cute Sherlock Holmes outfit. And he is going to get to the bottom of this. Oh, no. I know what this is. I think I know what this is. So there was a game called the, what was it? The Murder of Sonic the Hedgehog or something that oh, yeah. Sega released that. just as a, a straight up, a full, I think it was, uh, it was kind of like a fan game. It was game. a full game, yeah. Yeah. So that's what they're talking about. Oh, okay. That didn't make any sense to me, but now now it makes sense, especially if they're recording this around April. So great. Yep. Here we go. I promise, but I just I really need to get that out there before we started the episode. I just okay. I, I, if I'm in a bad headspace, it's because my beloved blue boy is m- moited. It's more like you're in a bad hedge space. Hey, there we go. You want to rate that pun? A out of ten. Okay. All right. Oh, there we <laughs> yeah, go. Ah, first F word of the day. Uh, buckle up. We need to record a theme song, Ryan. 
like us singing that. We have a theme song. We have a theme oh, you song. Want, you want a singing theme song? You know what? I'll make one up right now. Okay. Okay. It, it, no, I'll, I'll come back to you. Actually. <laughs> Worst of all possible worlds, the first and only podcast that puts you in a bad hedge space. I'm the worst <laughs> of all possible AJs. I'm the worst of all possible Brian's. And I'm the worst of all possible Josh. We've got AJ, Brian, and Josh. These are three main players here. Help me differentiate as we go along if we need to. But hopefully they'll refer to each other by their, their names so that I don't have to keep jumping back to this vocal reference at the beginning. Here we go. And we are going to make sure that Norfolk Southern pays yes. for its crimes yes. against Sonic the Hedgehog. And we're taking our own train back to the little town of Coleraine, as you know we do, yeah. for our another installment of our series about the evangelical children's radio program, Down Gilead Lane. Would you call it evangelical? Like, what? If, if you were listening to season one of Down Gilead Lane, would you would you call it evangelical? And what makes a program evangelical? I would not call it necessarily evangelical, but that's because I tend to use that term a bit more selectively. I think there's two ways to use the word. You can either use it to mean something that specifically is of the denominational line of thought that evangelism is a primary and pressing need for Christians to constantly focus on. Or you can focus or you can use the term more loosely to just mean anything relating to general Christian culture hmm. um, in like near nearly any outreach perspective whatsoever. Well, I think there's a so third like from that definition that these people are using, which what? is I think is a third definition that talks that's that's more talking about the the closed minded Christianity. It's not even talking about evangelism at this point. It's just we need to in like the religious right. We need to inject our, our values into the culture at whatever means necessary and that's that's what they ascribe to Odyssey and to Gilead as the evangelical because the program is evangelical it means that they're forcing a very specific moral standard down their audience's throats would you agree Which with that I think that that, that uh, maybe yeah and that that um that term i think it's kind of a blend of the two that i had described it's sort of it's a generic relating to christianity at all okay but also it's specifically attack or it specifically attaches itself to the vibe that Christians are trying to proselytize hmm. through through their entertainment. Yeah, if so that makes sense. Yeah, you could definitely so you could definitely get that through the all of the Morrisons being Christians at first and Maya being a terrible non Christian, but we, we talked about this back in season one about the, the Richters and, and them being villains. So we'll have to see what specific criticism they levy against that and see if we've already already addressed it mm -hmm. okay yes that's right it is cola rainy days installment 41 40 i kind of got excited because i was like oh man there's another gilead podcast i want to go listen to that the back catalog all we have is this one episode so here we go one we're back we've been I... doing this for 41 episodes yeah ryan we've been doing Stop this for one... it. i'm sorry we've been doing it for 134 episodes wow See, that's, I was wondering if they're making fun of us, <laughs> like when they do this. Yeah. Because like we do, do we do that where we're like, oh, wow, can you believe 50 episodes yeah. or whatever? And I didn't know if they were like making fun of just the thought that anyone would make a fan podcast about the series or not. <laughs> I don't think that's what they're making fun of. Uh, if you want to pause okay. less, I can. But also, I just have a lot to say about it. So I'll make sure my sure. Well, are... So if you, I 
like you don't have to put this in the oh i'm not cutting it out but okay unless you want well fine (laughs) i I guess i would appreciate if it wasn't like every five seconds because i'm not able to enjoy this like uh, like i'm not able to get anything other than like oh that was like three words okay and so i'm not able to get any, any flow sure yeah so the the format that i'm used to is very much every couple seconds is a pause yeah so i would i would appreciate maybe like at least 10 15 yeah. maybe even 30 yeah. seconds between pauses absolutely and yeah. then we can have more to address at once that sounds good okay i will not pause as frequently as we get into the longer longer stretches here we go we have done this for 41 See episodes me laughing in the coloring <laughs> I think I think the thing that gets me when we do this, you yeah. know, and, and, and this is obviously which we, yeah, a lot. Which we, we do, do it often, frequently. Yeah. Uh, is the way that this show just gets its way into a very specific subset of the evangelical Christian psyche. And how does it do that? I haven't identified. I'm sure he's that. about to explain. Okay. I don't know. Um, I'm curious. Yes. Obviously, all of our listeners, we we hear from listeners all the time talking about like, you know, oh, they grew up listening to Down Gilead Lane. Yeah, of course. Who didn't? Who didn't? Everybody remembers the Morrisons. Everybody has their favorite Morrison. Yeah, the internet is just lousy (laughs) with fan art of the Morrisons. So up until that point, (laughs) it's it's, true, though. Yeah, up until that point, it's kind of like, yeah, I could I could see where they're coming from. They could be genuine here. But. No, th- what they're saying is there barely anybody knows about the show, and it's kind of sad because the show is in a niche of the evangelical Christian base, I guess, community. So, yeah, let's see if he actually levies a criticism against it. Uh-huh. It used to be every gay friend group was identified by which Morrison they were. That's true. That's right? true. Between Golden Girls and Sex in the City <laughs> fandoms. Spoilers, <laughs> I'm a Brooke. Yeah, you are. You are. We've listened to enough of these now. I feel like I can. Well, like... and now that we have listened to a bunch of these and we've gotten so deep into all of the melodrama and all of the, the serialization, we're rewinding now, right. AJ, to introduce you yeah. to some of our, our, our big bitch family members right yeah. of course as we so i'm trying to track with them i, I didn't really I, i'm not really understanding the jokes i think because i'm you know i'm not in this this culture as much but it, it seems like it's it's more they've they've done this you know worst of all possible worlds podcast for a while and this is the way they tend to talk about other media so just bringing it into gilead and pretending oh yeah yeah we're just jumping back to gilead that seems like it's what's going on here right i guess uh, well i it seemed like they were just making a joke about how like other like whatever fandom you're a part of you're gonna be there's gonna be people in that fandom with you that are like oh yeah i'm a slytherin oh i'm a gryffindor oh okay okay like like that sort of thing but we stand timmy and they're doing that yeah well not that not even just i stand timmy but like i relate to timmy timmy is me kind of thing oh yeah well justin is Um, me so like i i know i know people i think who've been like oh yeah i related to brooke so much growing up yeah, these you guys probably don't know what it means. Yeah, to mainly say. the actress, Laurie <laughs> <Lori laughs> Krieg is fantastic. <laughs> yes. I don't. I don't know if these guys know what it means to say like I'm a Brook. Like what? You care very deeply about the people around you. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's Brooke right there. We know now. <laughs> Maya Richter of the yes. Richter family. Yes. The family yes. composed entirely of. T- yes. The one hundred percent family. The Richters. They are. B- fearfully and wonderfully made <laughs> yeah so we're getting into the, the part of talking about what is it a problem to have them be bad guys from the outset and 
summarizing this from what we talked about before, there are people in America, in our lives, in everywhere who aren't Christians. And there are people who are, you know, not too nice. But a very important lesson is, you know, when you're confronted with people who may not be Christian and also may not be good people, well, obviously not good people, but they may not be acting well, what do you do about that? So having a whole family whose backstory, the whole reason they are the way they are is because of somebody who eventually became a Christian and they're trying to hide that past. Seems like it's pretty justified. I don't know if you have anything to add to that. I mean, I, yes. Simultaneously, I get their criticism in that. Uh, uh, I guess if you uh, let, let's flip it. If you <clears throat> were listening to a podcast from or not a podcast, but like an audio drama designed by people who wanted to share about why the tenets of um, Islam are good, for example, mm -hmm. and they had an Islamic family that were picture perfect and then a Christian family that was abusing them. I might look at that and say, that seems a bit biased. Right, right. And well, yeah. they can say, well, uh, look, we're not trying to say all Christians are like this. We're just saying that this is a particular Christian family that happens to be jerks. And that that's just that's just the way it is. And then we're showing them how we would respond to that. And that makes us the good guys. And there's nothing wrong with the story. And I would say, eh, not really. I mean, you're you're still choosing to paint the family that believes something you don't believe in a really negative light as an archetype. Hmm. So what's the what's the comeback to that? Like how does how does um with the unlovables starting off there, how how is that justified in Gilead? Well, I'd say the way the, the reason I would just the, the thing I would push back would be one, the first season, we really only get like the kids. The adults are just fine, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're not actually toxic until later. Yeah. And then really throughout the series, the only one who's consistent, consistently toxic all the time is Mrs. Richter until like the very end. Right. And Tom, even he's like not a Christian for a majority of his time on the show. And and yet he ends up being like a very, very sympathetic character in seasons five and six. So them yeah. saying they're all just B words that's not the case with him because he's like even in right. some of his worst it's, episodes he's not like that right i think the that's where like if we go back to the other the example i gave if i was listening to a show where the christians were really toxic really not representing christianity very well and then someone came back at me and said well actually in season 5 and 6 they get a little bit better I would still maybe say, eh, yeah, but still it feels like you're writing in your beliefs about the way that people live ref being reflected in their choices. Or, or, or Let me rephrase that. What somebody believes doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be a terrible person. Mm -hmm. Like there are plenty of atheists out there or agnostics or people of, you know, any belief system that are really kind people. Right. And to the point that I've even had Hannah sometimes we're talking about things and she's just like kind of pondering the question. She's like, why is it that there are so many Christians that I've met that can get downright toxic and abusive and just just uh, like get into political fights that are, just get nasty 
on Facebook and in person kind of thing. And then I meet people who they have like new age beliefs or whatever, and they seem to live a much more peaceful, focused on kindness kind of life. The fruit is being produced by people who are not Christians, and that's confusing. Hmm. Okay, so a consistent message on Gilead is that the well, we don't see too many people who aren't Christians, but like we see the the Richters, and I could try to go through and and try to list some others. Maybe the Smiths. It, they're a very surface level understanding of it. But then we even see spoilers for where we are right now. We see later on in the series with the Brodskys that they are they profess to be Christians, but they don't act the way that Christians should act. So. Well, they're also a, cult leaders. So. Yeah, that too. So is is that the thing of so, yeah? Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Is that the thing of Gilead is just swinging at everybody who doesn't believe the same way they do, or they're being nuanced in their in their take on it? Well, the difficulty is one: this was not written now. This was written like 20, 30 years ago. Yes, right. right? Yeah, fifteen years so ago. So they were episodes. they were first off not really growing up in like the, the, the writers were not in the internet age where they could go and on TikTok get exposed to hundreds of people of different views than themselves in a highly digestible way. We live in a time and place where it is very easy to see people of different views and different walks of life in a more nuanced fashion. Whereas I think back then it was maybe easier to be within your own little bubble where your understanding of people was dictated by your experience. And that was about it. Maybe. But then maybe. with with Beth Culp's book that she's writing, are we still going to assume mm-hmm. that the Richters are the same in that book as they are in season one? And if so, is that an issue in today's modern era? And again, I don't I don't know, because mm-hmm. it, yeah. like I'll put it this way. The Gilead Lane is not for atheists, right? It's for Christians. The point of it is to say, hey, if you're a Christian and you're in this scenario, the worst possible scenario you could be in where an atheist is like, it would be a pretty lame show if it was like, hey, uh, the uh, atheist came along and they were really nice and everyone lived happily ever after. (laughs) That would be kind of a lame show. Yeah, but this this episode, these episodes are showing, hey, here's what to do when someone treats you badly Mm. and even more so when they don't believe the same as you. So basically, you have nothing in common with them. You could easily identify them as your enemy. Don't do that. And that's where I think the show really shines. Yes. Anyone who's like coming on a podcast and saying, oh, man, they're so terrible for putting atheists in this light. Well, they're not trying to say all atheists are like this. They're saying hey, if you meet an atheist like this, treat them with as much love and respect and kindness as you possibly can muster. Yeah. And that's the message. So if they think that this is harming atheists or like casting a bad light on them, well, then they haven't learned the lesson of the episode, which is a call (laughs) to action to do better and to try to love your neighbor even when it's really difficult. That said, where I will say that there's a difficulty is that in not showing other examples of atheists or agnostics in the show that don't do like the jerky kind of thing. That's where I think the, the, the pod, the audio drama makes a slight mistake in that for kids, archetypes and stereotypes ingrain themselves. Hmm. 
that's that's i think one of the causes of things like racism for example if they grow up and their parents are showing them movies for example where the only criminals and thugs and gang members are black men then they're going to grow up possibly assuming that black men are dangerous and gang members and violent and that forms racism because that's all they've ever seen as an example of what that kind of uh portrayal of that person is but if you have movies where you know black men are also superheroes and are also kind and are also all the things that black men are mm-hmm. then you have a more <clears throat> balanced viewpoint yeah it's it's a little i'm not going to go too much farther on this before we continue it's slightly different than that in that Christian the the tenets of Christianity are that if you are a believer, then you believe in a higher moral standard, an absolute moral standard and a moral truth that's higher than your own. And if you don't believe that, you, you don't necessarily have that higher moral standard. You may still want to respect people, but by definition, you don't ascribe to God's truth. And that's that's a, a new it's a difference that I think is is good if you want to try to draw upon it. And maybe Gilead did it well, maybe they didn't. But uh, with the example of the Richters, which was this specific example, yeah, I can I can understand why you're, why that archetype might be formed. But then again, Gilead, uh, people who, kids who listen to this show over and over would know this is the backstory of the Richters. This is why they act this way. More than just the fact that they aren't Christians, here's everything in their lives that have led, led up to this point, if that makes sense. Right, right. If, if you listen through the whole series... It does its best to tell a story that shows the Richters being, uh, I would say, more um, sympathetic, sympathetic. It it gives a backstory that it's like, oh, it's just this is a misunderstood villain, not just a straight up evil villain. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's keep going. My mouse will pay attention. There we go. (laughs) No, and I I know I've said this before. I've made this joke before, but it is amazing that uh, after Andy Richter Control the Universe was canceled, he moved to this small town (laughs) and and founded this horrible family. Kept denying the existence of God. That's right. Mm -hmm. Meyer Richter, of course, where... Do we know who Andy Richter is? No idea. I could look it up. Nah, I'm not not interested. Where we are in the series now has become a Christian thanks to Grace, the local blind woman that makes people Christian because of how (laughs) blind she is. Hyperbole. It's funny. (laughs) Uh, You could say that Maya's turn to Christianity had more to do with the Morrisons in All for One and in the scene, the contrast with her family in the, the episodes after that than it did with Grace. Grace was just the final step for her down Gilead Lane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So to be fair, not just Grace. <laughs> Where once she was blind, which is still <laughs> others can see. Not her. That's true. She yes. will never see. She is blind, folks. No. And that mm-hmm. is that is of course that makes her faith stronger. That's as right. We know that, that's yeah. her. That's her character development. Is you know yeah. because she was so blind. That's what makes her such a good. Oh yeah, right. And the Richters have mm. been the accident that killed her parents and drove her to depression that Beth Culp identifies with, with the loss of her brother, coming out of that, knowing that Jesus shares in our weaknesses and weeps for us, that is what makes her faith strong, knowing that even if, even though she may never receive her sight, may never regain her sight, we talked about this recently with Hope uh, talking to Grace, 
even though she may never get her sight back, she still has faith in God because of his promises to her and the hardship he's led her through. Yeah, I'm going to classify this comment from these podcasters as I think this is where they're maybe grasping at straws for mockery. Yeah, it's easy to listen to maybe a few episodes of Gilead and be like, oh, ha ha ha. See, they wanted to just make wit, but blind so that she like appears like some old sage or something because she's she's blind. And so she's so wise, but she is wise. That's mm-hmm. her character. And it's not like the writer didn't take the time to create an entire freaking writer's <laughs> Bible displaying how she knew exactly why each character had the motivations and experience and just overall life events that led to who they are as a person. It's not like Beth Culp did her homework or anything and actually thought through these characters. No, she just she just said, mm, I need a smart character. Blind woman. Yeah, definitely. That That's what happened. Not that this character was actually painstakingly crafted by a genius. <laughs> but these guys didn't take their time to do their homework. So they would like to pretend that, you know, because this is a podcast that disagrees with their beliefs, it probably is just stupid. Well, fortunately, we have the references. <laughs> we bring the receipts. Eh. Bribing public officials. That's right. And yeah. and trying, to to jail. trying to get rid of Grace saying she's a cult leader, which mm-hmm. it is kind of strange that she just sort of draws every child in the neighborhood into her home. I, I, you know, a couple weeks back, you know, we did our one off where. Yeah, well, let's pause there before they get into the next subject. So we're talking about at the end of season three, and this has been three seasons on after Grace has built up a reputation, uh, already had a reputation of being crazy, and the parents in Coleraine are slowly starting to see, oh, she's not actually crazy. And she reaches out, she does the the book reading, the reading of her book, and then she starts the, the Bible study. So it's a very natural progression as far as the story goes as to why that happens. And to say, it's kind of strange, well, it's, it's, it's built up in the actual script. I don't think they heard those episodes. I think they just jumped around. Yes, so. Yeah. We uh, went into that Adventures in Odyssey show. Right. Where yes, we... I'm so glad we finally got you to listen to that. I know, I know. I mean, look, is it is it down Gilead Lane levels? No, of course not. Not quite. But, and it was I really agree. interesting that it, it seems like even though Odyssey came first, it's like you see the inspiration for uh, Maya Richter like drawing people into her home because... Mm. Maya Richter drawing people into her home. <laughs> uh, do you? That's definitely a miss. Uh, a misquote or something like. Yeah, Maya Richter is blind now. <laughs> but it's it's also like I, I I don't disagree with this. I think it's better than Odyssey. But yeah, you know anyway. That's just what John Avery Whitaker Grace drawing people into her home <laughs> did with his wit's end. Well, Grace also does that. Look, the, every, everyone is going the to only reason, houses. The only reason always. Maya Richter draws people into her house is to be a huge bitch to them. Yeah, <laughs> so that they can be servants for her. Okay, they got Literally. it. Yeah, yeah, they got it. So Maya never has an opportunity like that. The whole servants thing was Tiffany. They're thinking about when push comes to love. Just for the record there. But they're also just comparing it to Odyssey, so... Nerd. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> I know my episodes. 
literally yeah. servants literally for that. her. Yeah. So anyway, we should get into this very exciting early episode. Yes. It's the first episode. Well, yes, it's, it's not the first sort of, episode it's not at the all. Pilot. Yeah, they did a but like it's not even a pilot because a pilot is what you like sell to like a channel that's going to produce the show. They just made the whole season at once and then had a pilot that was episode zero. Right. And so this is it's not episode zero. It it is episode one. Uh, and it was produced. I thought after... you said it was episode zero. Nope, nope, it's not. It is episode one. In fact, um, if you go back on uh, on Return to Gilead, first episode is episode one. Uh, meet the Morrisons. Oh. Uh, the, what happened was so, like a good neighbor, which is the last episode of season one, is episode thirteen. The way that worked was that Beth Culp and Steve O'Dell and all those people produced season one from the Unlovables part one to like a good neighbor. Then they were like, you know what? we need a better introduction to the Morrisons. So they made Meet the Morrisons, which was a fantastic way to introduce the characters. And and what's Meet the Morrisons? Meet the Morrisons is, you know what number is it? Yeah. One. Oh, so they made everything else and started at two? Well, yeah, they made all the other episodes and then they were like, hmm. so they made it, it was all a batch together. Yeah, yeah. Well, they, they made, Got it. I think it, the writing order was Meet the Morrisons was written last but it still aired first. March, I think March 2001 is when that aired. Got it. It's episode one, but it's right. the second episode, and it's already they're doing a two-parter. They're like, you know, you know, f- having that. like a little simple half-hour story. We are going full-blown oh, into going like my it. novel series territory. You know, by this point, obviously, we've done 41 of these, so we yeah. know yeah. the backstory. Yeah, we've, um, we've, we've gotten a lot of the... It, it, the we've, lore we've had is all deep. our opinions out, yeah. I don't think I can extend this bit any further. I feel like we've hit... <laughs> yes, yes, we can, Josh. <laughs> Are you Wait, getting... keep going. What is that? Okay. Hold on, keep going. Hold on. So back on Down Gilead Lane, color. What was that? <laughs> <laughs> the walls of reality are breaking down. <laughs> Rainy days, installment number forty-one. Visit. We have a great introduction, just like in the same way that, as Josh knows, but AJ probably doesn't. Mm. Um, Adventures in Odyssey had its Chris skits at right. the beginning of the old episode. But, yeah, I, I think I missed something somewhere in there. So so they're talking about how it's weird that they did a, a two parter as their as their first episode, which it it's not a two parter. It's two episodes that have self contained plots that tie together and it's listed I as think a two parter. Maybe skipping Yeah. Meet yeah, the Morrisons. They're saying that Meet the Morrisons is just episode zero. Erroneously. Yeah. So I think they're maybe talking about the uh unlovables. Yeah. Yeah, I, I get that. I don't think it's weird to have a two-parter that early on. I think it cements strongly what your but world is and helps your audience. I'm just adjust. amused. Have these guys? These guys say they listen to Adventures in Odyssey. Are they aware that there's a two-parter very early into the first album of Adventures in Odyssey? Yeah. So we're talking about. Are we talking about a uh, member of the family? Yes. Which, which currently on the current CD release is episode two. It's episode two and three. <laughs> Which it's not actually. It's episode seventeen and eighteen canonically. I know, but <laughs> canonically for me, it's episode two and three because that's the only way I ever listened to it. Okay, and it it still works. Right. In fact, it works better. Cut. It works better because they've got Jimmy working at Wit's End, and then Connie comes to town, and Jimmy's nowhere to be seen. Well, the excuse is they liked the Jimmy version better than the Connie version of member of member of the family, but the truth is, what well, they they lost. They made the a Connie, Connie version? version. Yes, and it got lost. <laughs> they have Katie Lee. They can <laughs> unlose it. <laughs> okay.
cut those from their intros pretty early on. Yeah. Meanwhile, we've down, got Zach. <laughs> yeah, like we know that Zach has a tendency to be a little bit. Uh, he he goes on, right? Yeah, he, he goes on he, way too long. He he yeah. tries to like just repeat everything that just happened in the episode, both and, before and after it. I haven't found that Zach is that repetitive. I find that he's oftentimes even more concise than Chris often is. But uh, moreover, they would know if they were Gilead, if they looked into Gilead, that Jacob was the original host. But it makes sense why they're they're calling him Zach because Zach re-recorded those <laughs> at the intro. I am amused by your your uh, um actually these guys like <laughs> well, that's um what... actually if you were a real Gilead fan, you know that Zach. <laughs> didn't exist until the later days. Jacob was the original host. You're right. I am giving the, these guys too much credit. They they wouldn't even be able to understand what I'm trying to tell them. So, <laughs> But in right. these early episodes, oh boy, does he really <laughs> talk. So here we have, of okay. course, a very simple little story. This is that's appears actually, in both the old. That's actually a fair critique. Because he he did have like that one episode where he hey, talked for like five I minutes know. straight about <laughs> hot coals. Yep, and that's only the Unlovables Part One. That is only that second episode. This is true. And, and like I don't I don't even think that's that with... I don't even think that's that big of an issue in the the overall grand scheme of things because it just happens once and then it's gone and it's. I mean, weird not, and we can I, talk I don't think it. they're saying it's an issue. They're just saying it's a thing. Okay, maybe I'm just thinking everything they're saying is like, oh, this is terrible. Anyway, let's keep going be very familiar with it if you ever grew up with any of these scriptures. In Romans chapter 12 verse 20, we're told that if your enemy is hungry, you're supposed to feed them. And when you do that, you'll be heaping hot coals upon their head. Hmm. Ooh. Burning mm. flaming hot coals right on their fragile, sensitive little head. <laughs> I love Zach. He's great. <laughs> Anyway, fragile, delicate, nubile head. <laughs> I, I know I was really depressed at the beginning of this episode, yeah. but I guess Sonic is alive and well and living in down Gilead Lane. <laughs> yeah. Well, it does just I mean, yeah, it's Zach in this case is the one who I guess is much like Sonic. He just keeps eating and eating and eating and eating, you know. That's and right. Yeah. And Sonic, coals, he just yeah. he, he can keep eating and he never gets full because his metabolism. Come on, let's get to some criticism. I actually want to talk, actually want to address this. <laughs> Guys. Criticism is right. so fast, which yeah, just yeah. means that he shits so much and it becomes so like big and heavy. Oh right. no, I just pooped a big one. But that's why, that's why Sonic is always warning everyone about conjunctivitis. Right. Hey kids, Sonic the Hedgehog here. <laughs> yeah, skateboard is cool, but you know what's not cool? Conjunctivitis from all of my sh all of my horrible liquid <laughs> worst jet skit ever yeah go watch jet wait no i need to give you a, a good vetted jet video gilead fans it's, it's fun jet is another jet is a youtuber that also has colorful language but he's actually yes. funny unlike yes. these guys yeah, we're just talking about sonic poop for I, some reason i think i think sonic evades his taxes is clean don't quote me on that one but it's, it can be funny. Yeah. Uh, anyway. <laughs> so, burning coals on your head doesn't yeah. sound like a great idea, but Zach wants to take it. Rather yeah. than just explaining what the Bible means when it says, you know, pouring coals on your head, we get this whole f***ing deranged opening sketch. Picture the desert. Okay. The darkness. And <laughs> oh. a guy named Joe. Okay. okay. Well, he doesn't like 
I find it really interesting. They're focusing on this as they're that we're we're eight minutes in, and they're playing the opening sketch instead of actually talking about the characters. Well, you know? to be fair, we're about fifty minutes <clears throat> in, and uh, we've only covered eight minutes of their show. So, yeah, but they're halfway through their own video, their own podcast. So you know. Well, we're about 90% through what we initially planned, so... That is fair. Do you still want to stop in 10 minutes? We'll find out how... It'll depend on how quickly we get through the rest. Okay. All right. I knew this was going to be long. If we need to just stop and cut this off, we will, but... uh, Mm. Anyway very many people, and to be honest, not very many people like him. Especially Herman. Eventually, Herman couldn't take it anymore. He loaded up Uh his sheep and headed across the desert. What he didn't know was that Joe had also decided to move. Joe caught up with Herman, and Herman heard, Hey, I was just wondering if I could, uh, hey, you know, swipe some of your coals for a few minutes. My fire's gone out. I cut most of the rest of the um oh yeah <laughs> the sketch it's part of the actors the part that it I hurt. It sounds like the part with actual substance. Yeah. <laughs> the thanks, Herman. Herman okay. the man trying to demonstrate that, what that, the point of the skit was. Uh, I I don't like to say bad things about deconstructionists because I actually have a lot of respect for people who are willing to like assess their beliefs and get rid of things that don't hold up to scrutiny. Mm-hmm. But people who deconstruct to the point that they just toss out everything, I don't even consider deconstructionists. I just call them idiots. That That is a valid word to use in many scenarios. Um, let's keep going. Chris got a severe <laughs> head injury? Yeah, it kind of does. <laughs> but anyway, this is the lesson that ends up coming out of the sketch, which is uh, not entirely biblical. Now, back then, when people traveled long distances, they didn't have the luxury of a super deluxe SUV complete with Wi-Fi and Uh, heated seats. Wi-Fi? They relied on (laughs) old-fashioned bonfires to (laughs) keep them warm. How dumb do they think their their listeners are? (laughs) But in order to make that... Wait a minute. So SUVs have Wi-Fi and heated seats. My dad's got a truck that has Wi-Fi and heated seats. I think they're frustrated with, like, the... It it, kind of sounds like... Someone who talks down to their kid and is like, now back in the day, I didn't have your handy dandy smartphone kind of thing. You're like, I lived on paper and pencil and my wits. I guess. And it's like most kids understand that smartphones haven't always existed. You don't have to demean them or talk down to them or condescend them. And I think they kind of feel like Zach is condescending when he's like, now back in the day, you know, the day when these people were apparently traveling long distances by foot and carrying coals on their heads, they didn't have SUVs. Wow, really? Like, I I feel like that's a fair-ish critique that Zach is pointing out and spending a ton of time talking about back in the day, we didn't have Wi-Fi on our SUVs, you know. Hmm. Oh yeah, I I think it's I think it's kind of cute, but maybe that's like just, it's, it can yeah. be funny. Yeah. But I think okay, it depends entirely on how you're coming into the episode. If, if you're like if you're already oh, I want of substance, it. and I'm I, come on, give me the substance. Then you don't want him to like use all this flowery, like now kids back in the day kind of talk. You want yeah. him to just get to the point. And so, yeah, so I could I could understand being frustrated by that. So they did just say this lesson isn't entirely biblical. And I'd like to see. I'm curious why they think that. Let's, let's keep listening. OK, fire. They have 
carry burning hot coals along with no, them they as didn't. they traveled. They had and you'll never guess like where they carried those coals. Oh. In pans on top of their heads. And there we go. Whoa. There we go. There we go. They, they didn't they didn't do Okay, so this is the 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 advanced level of the camel through the eye of a needle thing. Mm, you know, sure. Jesus said it's it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than a, a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. So, because there are a lot of rich people who have appeared within Christianity over the last uh, couple millennia, about sure. a thousand years ago or so, someone named Anselm of Canterbury, maybe, this is how it's attributed by Thomas Aquinas, was like, oh, oh no, Jesus doesn't mean literally. He, he means... Uh, there was a gate in Jerusalem that was really small, but you still had to get your camel through it. So you had to unburden your camel and then set it on like a rolling dolly and slide it through and then put all your stuff back on it so it could get through. They called that gate the eye of the needle. What? This is absolute horseshit. but this is Is it though? Isn't this historical? Because I've heard that before. Do you know? No, you have heard that before, but that is a foul. That it, it, not a fallacy. That is actually inaccurate. There is no actual literary reference that dates back showing that there was any gate like that. And in fact, I'll even support their argument here for the needle thing, um, because first we have a few reasons to disbelieve the claim that there was a gate like that. One is that the word that is used for needle in the scripture is not. It is for a specific kind of needle. It's a surgeon's needle, which you wouldn't it's like it's specifically referring to a literal needle. It's not referring to a place. If it were referring to a place, it would be a different type of word. The other thing is just that when when you actually go and try to research like, OK, let's let's find this gate. Let's figure out where this gate is. There is no historical account of this gate existing. And any gate that people say, oh, no, it's this gate here in Israel, it's either something that was named that more recently than Jesus time, or it's not actually called that. They just <clears throat> say, like, like tourists are told that it's that when it's actually not. Hmm. Okay, so the, obviously, the obvious comeback to this is that it's from the poor rich guy in Odyssey. The verse immediately following that says, well, then who can be saved? With man it is impossible, but with God... All things are possible. So that's saying it's not. Oh, yes, just, we're, we're not. We're not. Just trying what they're to justify. arguing is. So what they're pointing out, they're not saying that that verse is wrong. They're saying that the people who portray that verse and they say like, oh, no, no, no. See, it's actually really easy to get into heaven. It's just kind of a tight squeeze. Hmm. That's not. Well, like what they're what they're what they're trying to point out is that the people who make that claim by attributing this verse um, sort of eisegetically to this fake story of a non-existent gate. They're essentially trying to, they're saying, these people are saying that's wrong. If you're going to believe the Bible and you're going to listen to what it says, then don't cheapen Jesus's words by pretending like they're not as strong as they are. They are strong. It is, I'd, I'd argue differently for like my interpretation of that verse. I would say, yes, absolutely. To what you said, afterwards jesus says yeah. with god all things are possible so if we're looking at okay why would jesus say that it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven well one would be because he has all these possessions and he clearly loves money if he wants that then he's not going to find that in the kingdom of heaven 
because he hasn't laid up any treasure there if all he cared about his entire life is riches. Mm -hmm. He wouldn't have any reason to go there. Okay. Okay, that's that's fair. It's yeah. It seemed to be the way that they were saying it was because there's not his priority. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. It's not saying that Christians who have money are bad. Right. Right. It seemed to be the way that they were saying it was there are there were people in Christianity who were rich. And I think they just said that because there were rich Christians. They came up with that interpretation. Anselm came up with that interpretation to say, oh, no, no, this is the way it is, which might be might be true. But I think that's a. That's a bit it's, of a. I mean, yeah. well, I mean, it is like the fact okay. that that's the fact that that story exists when there isn't a historical account means that at some point somebody made it up hmm. okay. and either what like one or two things are true. One, the person who made it up was very seriously confused because they figured this out without anyone telling them that that was the case. Or two, they made it up because they wanted a cheap out of having to explain why this verse conflicted with their lifestyle. And so they made up the story or they they concocted it using like very cheap sources that weren't wouldn't hold up to any scrutiny whatsoever and then it gained fire because it was a very convenient lie. Hmm. Okay. It, it seemed to be what what these people were saying was Jesus words made no sense and so to try them try to make them make sense this person came up with this. Is that a fair no, read or is that? Okay. I, I, I don't think that they're saying that what Jesus said didn't make sense. I think what they're saying is that people they it. don't like it when Christians take verses that say something very specific and they make it make some they make it mean something else by trying to attribute a new context to it that doesn't exist. OK, so it's a it's an it's a disagreement <clears throat> with Christians who concoct or manufacture context that isn't historically accurate all right i'm willing to if we have well this might be a good time to talk about it do you want to put a pause on this now or do you want to keep going let's let's keep going all right interested to see yeah i'm interested to see what they end up saying is the historical inaccuracy with the the coals on head with the pans yeah i think that's what they're getting to what it sounds like this can't happen. There yeah. are a couple, there's another interpretation that actually makes hold on, some hold on. sense. Can you can you um, can go back a little bit? Greek and a vowel shift. That what? Sorry, let's go, let's go back to eleven. I wanted to track with something they just go said. For it. The needle. What? This is absolute horror. Shit, but this is ju- like it's exactly what it sounds like. Jesus is saying th- this can't happen. There are yeah. a couple, There's another. No, 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 no. So they just said Jesus is saying a rich man cannot enter the kingdom of God. So they are missing. The They're context. saying that's one interpretation. They're saying that's their interpretation. No, they're saying that's un. Go back. Let's go back. You want to rewind? Dolly and slide it through, and then put all your stuff back on it so it could get through. They called that gate the eye of the needle. What? This is absolute horror. But this is ju- like it's exactly what it sounds like. Jesus is saying th- this can't happen. There yeah. are a couple, there's another interpretation that actually. Yeah, he says. Now he says he's this- about to talk to another t- interpretation. Oh, is he okay? Actually, makes some sense involving ancient Greek and a vowel shift that happened at the time where the word for camel and the word for rope are very similar. And so they, oh, okay. so there's one oh. thought that it's like, it's easier to put a rope through the eye of a needle. And that retains the meaning, right? No, like, yeah, absolutely. It, it's, Im- it's also a stronger impossible. word picture because it, it connects. It's like you, you can do it with a thread, but you sure can't f-ing do it with a rope. I don't know, yeah. man. I like that. Find a picture of a camel shoving yeah. it through. Well, that's yeah, the yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That interpretation is also wrong because in the Babylonian Talmud, 
there is an expression given by a rabbi, it is easier for an elephant to get through the eye of the needle than oh. for et cetera, et cetera, oh, okay. et cetera. So this is actually just a Jewish expression from around this time that is very funny and, and very very much sticks with you, but yeah, a lot of like people are like, no, fly. but I have to defend my it's, wealth. It's yeah. just a thing that can't yes. happen. And so, but in the co- All right, all right, so they just said it's a thing that can't happen. That's That tracks with what they said. This is absolute horse bleep. This, Jesus is saying this is impossible. Yeah. So, but they're they're also addressing other possible interpretations, like the rope thing. Well, they are. They're saying that it's difficult. Well, yeah, but but, but they, then they come back and say, so that means that this can't happen. Like they they said sure. that. So sure. Which again, the if they if they believe that that is true, and then they um, are also not paying attention to the contract or the uh, continuing verse that says, "With God, all things are possible." That would be the response. Yeah. But I think I think what they're saying, they this could be taken two ways. Either they're saying this can't happen and that's what we believe, or they're saying this can't happen, but that's in the context of the following verse, because that's not necessarily them saying anything necessarily wrong. So like if they say, OK, the first verse where he says it's easy uh, and like a camel or a rope through the eye of a needle, obviously they can't happen, which would explain why somebody says then how can it be possible for this person to be saved? Yep. Because if Jesus is saying this can't happen and someone says, how can that, ha- how can this person be saved then? And then Jesus says, well, with God, all things are possible. That right. would still be a perfect narrative. I get you. I get you. Okay. That's, that would make, I hope they continue to qualify that as we go forward. Uh, but want to point out that was a quite a long time talking about the eye of a needle to just get around to the, the coals on the head example. So we're still, we're still not there yet. I guess we can keep going. Keep going. Fine, Greek, pig actually means... Why are we... <laughs> so, the coal story, I actually found a couple... I had never heard this before. I had yeah, never heard this neither. insane interpretation. So, is Zach just coming at us with some bullshit here? Zach did not make this up. So, okay. I went and looked it up, and I found one article that had any citations at all. This article was on free.messianicbible.com. Oh, <laughs> which is run by Bibles for Israel, an organization I could find oh, no information no. about. Oh, boy. <laughs> it is one of like five or six that just appear on the front page of Google results that you get for Israel Bibles. There are a lot of people who are trying to sell to. And now we're going and talking about this organization. So let's talk about the example that Zach gave. Is that one? Is it problematic if there actually wasn't this interpretation of it? Does it does it cheapen the example? Does it change the meaning of the example? And two, have you actually heard this example before? Um, I I had not heard the example of like the you mean Zach's example? Yeah, yeah. I had not heard that interpretation or that like historical context. When I was a kid, I always just imagined, oh yeah, when you when you uh, help your enemies instead of hurt them, that gives them guilt, and that can be like burning coals on your head cool that makes sense and then when zach gave this interpretation i was like oh okay well that's a little different and it made sense that because like you know in ancient times people did often carry things on their head like water uh like like even just uh, uh, like a really bad example but like in the jungle book where at the end the girl is carrying the pot of water on her head yep um, so that didn't seem like a, ma- a major leap in logic to believe that people traveling carried things on their heads. It's definitely maybe a bit easier if you're used to it. 
um, to carry something on your head than in your hands when you might need a quick hand free to grab a sword to protect yourself in the wilderness mm-hmm. or whatever else you might be doing with your hands, leading sure. a camel, you know, any any number of things. Um, the um, I have had difficulty because in the past, you know, 10 or 15 minutes, I've been trying to Google this and I haven't come up with <laughs> reputable sources either. So Yeah, it, it is hard to find it. There is another source on the front page of Google, like they were talking about it from the Massachusetts Bible Society that mentions that uh, it says commentators from the this is a uh, massbible.org. Uh, and I probably can't provide a, a link for this, but it says commentators from the early church fathers to the Protestant reformers right through today's Bible. Today's scholars differ in their interpretations of the idiom, and those interpretations break down to a number of categories. One, it's a good thing. Two, it's, oh yeah, I guess that's the first one. One, it's a good thing. Hey, thanks for the coals to keep the fire in my hearth going. And then it goes on, it's a mean thing, it's a clever means of protecting yourself, it's a cleansing fire, it's a fire of love, and so on. So, it's not out of the question to say that this might be an interpretation. The question is then, is this a, oh no, Zach did something bad by using that as an example in the intro? Like, yeah, last it, sentence again. Is it a problem that Zach used this if it's not provable either way what this means? And like, does it cheapen yes, the message? Because if it's not provable, if he's, if he's not sure that this is the historical context, then he needs to say, some people believe this. Instead of saying, hey, kids, this happened because that's just not being that you're not doing your due diligence in making sure that if you're telling a story to kids that they don't take it to heart as if you're telling the truth. If you don't know that it's the truth, I will say I've found another source. Um, It's Cora, but um, (laughs) it is another um, person who is. sharing about a thing called um a uh a brazier which it was sort of like a container that was similar to like a barbecue grill designed to hot, hold hot coals and they're talking about like the specific uses for it including just like heating houses and doing so with uh burning solid fuel such as coals um and t- talking about how the Hebrew word for brazier is of Egyptian origin, suggesting an invention imported from Egypt. And the only reference to it in the Bible is Jeremiah 36, 22 through 23, where braziers heat the winter palace of King Jehoiakim. Um, the person uh, concludes essentially saying what um, what Zach said, which was that this would be a kindness. Hmm. OK, so there is a possible Possible interpretation. There's a My, possible interpretation. A, yeah. I, I would argue theoretically, like uh, it would take more research, a yeah. probable um, conclusion that this is what happened. Mm-hmm. I'm interested to see, because here's my conclusion, is that if these guys are able to disprove it and say, no, that didn't happen. Here's what happened instead. Here's our source. Then we can trust them. Okay. But if they don't have that and they're just going to say, I Googled it and I couldn't find it. That's not compelling no you don't get to just say zach zach doesn't know what he's talking about because i couldn't find it in my quick google search that's what i was talking about earlier where that's not deconstruction that's just called being dumb yeah and i'm coming at it from a different angle let's say we go back and tweak the the script and say zach says now people are kind of divided on what this verse means but what what if it meant this? And he defi- he presents it fine. as a, a hypothesis. So the interpretation of this would be a good thing for the other person, that is a va- definitely a valid possible interpretation of that verse, right? Sure. 
All right, let's see what these guys have to say I about mean, that. It Risk. is already because it's you're already just like it, Jesus is saying, do something nice. For people. Okay. Right. All right. Here we go. Like the most Israeli Bible. It's amazing. Okay. Um, and so they end up citing very weird texts. There's one by this lady named Barbara Bowen called Strange Scriptures that perplex. We're going down this rabbit trail. What is this? <laughs> the Western Mind that was written in 1940 that explains away the, the heaping coals. Uh, there's also Farrar Fenton's Bible translation that he did in 1903. He was an amateur Bible translator and shipping magnate, where he translated the heaping hot coals on their head to and providing them a fire besides for his needs. Um, no, this is exactly what it sounds like. If you so they said that before, the eye of the needle, this is exactly what it sounds like. So that what they're saying is you will be hurting the other. Well, actually, let's listen to what they have to say. You do something good for a guy who's been a to you, Hopefully, that will make him feel very guilty, as though his head had hot coals on sure. it. Sure. Oh, yeah. Nothing yeah. more to it. People did not carry coals that were currently burning in a pan on top of their head. Uh, you still hold out hope, Ryan? Keep going. At any time. Yeah, that history. sounds like it would yeah, just, no. that would be challenging. Like, yeah, after a while, would, those coals burn, they, they, they run out, and it's yeah. too hot. Sounds like no. something fun you can do in the here's desert. The you know? here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing about all this, right? <laughs> that intro right there. Yeah, so that's the end of them talking about the substance behind their critique. Yeah, so I'm going to say that this is a point where they were completely right on the camel and eye of the needle thing. That is accurate. I've heard that. This is one where, unfortunately, they've not done their due diligence. Yep. What they just did. Here's what they just did. They said, well, the sources are really weird. One's a book from 1940 that a person wrote where they did a ton of research. And another was from an amateur uh, person translating the Bible. Okay. Okay. Did they mistranslate it? Do you want to show us how they mistranslated it? Do you want to show us why the book was wrong with your own evidence? Mm -hmm. Do yeah. you want to show what people did with their coals instead? Do you want to show why every person who has ever written about this and and like talked about like the person on Quora, why are they going into depth on the Egyptian practices concerning these um these specific coal fire units? Why is it that everyone thinks this? Where did the rumor come from and what is actually true based on your interpretation? That is because that would be useful. That would be useful. That would be deconstruction where mm -hmm. you turn you take out the stuff that doesn't make any sense and you make sense of it and you give an actual solution. And then you can say, hey, guess what? It's great. We can all be Christians together because we all have a mutual understanding of truth, which has been determined in a scientific uh, scholastic method. Mm. But we're not going to do that. We're not yeah. going to academically focus on the text. We're going to look at the sources that exist after a quick Google search, make fun of them, and then move on. Yeah, and they keep coming back to this refrain of it is exactly what it sounds like. Which it's, is ridiculous. If right. they want to talk about it's just what it sounds like, there are lots of verses that are just what they sound like, and that's the wrong way to read them. Like the, the verse in the Bible that talks about modesty. We've been over this before. Mm -hmm. The verse in the Bible that talks about I want women to be modest in their appearance is not saying that they should cover up. The word for modesty there is a word that means simple, as in not flashy, not mm -hmm. expensive, not adorned with pearls and stuff. And that's supported by the context of that verse. But our modern definition for modest tends to mean wearing more clothing, not 
showing too much skin, which is not at all what the original word in that trans in, in that uh, passage from Paul was talking about. But if I were to go, no, 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 it's not what it actually was. It's what it sounds like to us as a modern audience. I would be wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is why this I've often gone back and like in like even personal counseling that I've had deconstructed my own thoughts and gone, OK, why am I thinking that? What is the reason? What is the trigger that led to that? And that is a very helpful process because it helps me determine what is a real thought. What is just a, a, a temptation? What is a distraction? What's something that's a, a cognitive distortion? And what's something that is actually something I should focus on and put more of my emotion behind? That's really helpful. But this, in just saying that there was a reason why I asked you, I paused and said, so do you think that it could be a net benefit for the other person? Why that is an interpretation? Do you do you like see that as an interpretation? You went, oh yeah, I think that is the interpretation of the Bible. And then they come around and say, no, it is what it sounds like. When you do something good for them, hopefully they feel really bad about what they did. My thing was, Zach's example is the other person sees it as a positive. So they said, no, 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 that is not possible. The other person will be, quote unquote, hurt by it. They will feel like a jerk about it. Do you do you see what I'm getting at here? I do. Okay. And I think it's, it's difficult because you could argue either way. <clears throat> you could argue that Jesus meant it literally. You could argue that he meant it culturally. Hey, Editing Michael here. Uh, just want to jump in with a quick note that, uh, yeah, we know this wasn't from Jesus. This was actually in Proverbs 25. Uh, same difference. And it would be difficult to prove either because we don't know necessarily that people in Jesus' time were heaving coals on their head. I think that, like, as I think of that type of thing, it definitely seems maybe a little bit less um advanced than the society might have been at Jesus time. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like they may may not have needed to travel large distances with coals on their head as much as Abraham or someone earlier in the timeline might have. Right. Because there was lo- there's more infrastructure and less wilderness by that point. That said, I don't know. I wasn't alive then and I <laughs> haven't done the research much like these guys. Right. So I'm not willing to make a claim either way. I think that there are implications if you determine the truth of the answer, because that determines whether Jesus is saying do this to make people feel guilty or do this because you're blessing people, Mm -hmm. because those are two completely different sentences. Yeah, I think you can look at the context and determine that Jesus generally is not out to get people. Yeah. So I'd say the latter translation makes more sense. Yeah. So I'd say it's a lot more winsome to go about breaking down things that you disagree with in a, a very respectful way. And we've talked about this for a long time. Like I've I think I use it as an example of what I did on the Scoopcast and like what I've been trying to do here on Return to Gilead. Whenever I have something that I disagree with, I don't mock it Where to get people who agree with the message of the thing that I'm trying to criti- criticize on my side. It builds sympathy. We talked about this at the very beginning of this recording itself. So they haven't they haven't really done that. Let's see if they bring up any other examples from Gilead. Are you good to keep going? Mm-hmm. Okay. There could have been done in 10 seconds. Yes. Yeah. Instead, by the time that intro ends, we are three minutes and 30 seconds into this <laughs> episode. Well, yeah, and I feel like... They already said it was a two-parter. So two-parters historically sometimes need to be padded because you're stretching out one story across two episodes. So if that is what this is, which it's got more than just that, wouldn't it make sense that they might need a little bit of padding? 
Well, and also just I feel this is a really poor way to review an episode. They're 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 starting at the <clears> beginning <throat> and they're like, oh man, the intro was three minutes long. This is ridiculous. Okay, if that's if you if you're used to Odyssey where you get like a quick okay, we're done. And then we move right into the episode. I can understand why you'd be confused, but you only get to make that criticism if it takes away and detracts from the rest of the episode. We had an episode recently where it was the um, uh, was it going, through, going the through the motions. Yeah, where he's walking down the street. Where where our critique specifically of that episode was, hey, it suffered in some areas. It could oh, yeah, have used yeah. a lot more focus on this or a lot more focus on that. And I would have solved that issue by removing this meaty thing that didn't need to be there. That's a valid critique because we're saying take this out to make more room for quality. But these guys aren't saying there's no quality in this episode. It could have been so much better if they'd just taken Zach's line out. They're just critiquing <laughs> the fact that Zach exists at all because they disagree with him. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that the intro skit in the Unlovables Part 1 is the establishing thesis for all of Gilead. Also, who are these guys to talk about three-minute <laughs> intros about that Sonic? are unnecessary? They're talking about <laughs> Sonic and Poop for like five minutes. What are they talking about? <laughs> like, this is a thing that down Gilead Lane and then later beyond Gilead, like, really nails down later on. It's like yeah. they really start abbreviating Zach down and getting it right. down. But, I mean, we're at the beginning here. They're, like, flying basically blind. Right. Yeah. Right. right. And, and Well, that's not entirely true because they have a whole season. In which later on in the season, yeah, they, they plan the whole season in advance. That's not blind. And guys, they 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 list in their description that they listened to several of these episodes. You you guys realize it's not just th this isn't a normal thing. This intro is not indicative of the whole first season. Anyway, this the conflict here at this episode is like right. How can you love your enemies? And it turns out that well, Maya Richter is a jerk. We don't get to the conflict itself for 10 minutes. Yes. Yeah. Because we're focusing on Anna. We're, we're talking, oh, you mean the conflict of, so what are they talking about here? Do they mean the conflict of Maya's a jerk? Because that is established in the very first scene of The Unlovables Part 1, which, if I'm trusting their timestamps, would be four and a half minutes into the episode. Is that because a character mentions it or because she does, or because she's mean? I She's mean in the first scene, and I think They don't Michael, have, like, scenes where the kids are getting ready for school or something? No, not in the first scene. The first scene is with Miss... What's her name? Oh, this is so sad. I can't even remember what her name is. Uh, the, the, the teacher? The teacher? Yes! What's her name? Don't remember. Mrs. Collins, right? That's it! Yeah. Ah, okay. Miss Co Mrs. Collins. It's Mrs. Collins. I've, I'm so... I'm, I'm confusing it with paws and tails. Anyway, yeah, the first scene is when Michael and Anna and Maya are in school with Mrs. Collins, and they're all, they're all talking, and Maya's being a jerk to Anna. Hey, this is Editing Michael again. Just a quick correction on that. So the Maya conflict in that scene isn't actually the first scene. Uh, I was wrong about that. But Maya's comment happens at 8.04 is the timestamp. And the first time we hear about Maya being a problem is at 5.11. There you go. That is a very efficient way to establish what the conflict is going to be. And then it's outright addressed by the characters when Michael talks to Anna and maybe they're talking about the discussion where Anna's like, I wish I, w I wish I could hurt her or something. Yeah, that, that's, maybe that's the conflict they're talking about. That's where Michael makes the joke. Um, it's it's like he makes the, the dad joke, doesn't he? Like, yeah. Hi, hi, fine. I'm my name's Mike. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. 
this 23 minute episode of radio. Did we mention that this episode is called The Unlovables? The Unlovables Part One. I think that's a good point. This is season one, episode one, (laughs) sort of. The Unlovables. Yes. And boy, as we know, this show really thinks that this family is unlovable. Oh, Oh my gosh. Could you miss the point more? I am just going to not comment on that. I'm going to comment on it for you. (laughs) So, an episode where the kids get very annoyed at a character who is being very annoying. And then Grace, the blind lady that they mocked for being too godly or whatever, um, comes in and explains why when you live as Christ lives, this person is not unlovable. Grace isn't there at the very beginning, just to let you know. It's the parents that the parents give that moral. Sorry, not not. Well, she's there in the second episode, right? No, she appears in Rumor Has It. No, Food for Thought, which is episode six. This is her first episode. Oh, so it's the mom that gives them the lesson. I think it's John because you got the whole side plot of Kipper or slash killer. Right. Okay. Sorry. Misremembered that. Going back. Anyway. Anyway. Point is that the parents give them this lesson and they say, hey, this person is not unlovable. In fact, this person is a person that you are called to love by God, even if you don't want to. And because that will reap great fruit in yours and their life. And also just because God already did it for you, you were unlovable in that you were dead in your sin. And yet God still saved you. And yet these guys think that just because the name of the episode is the unlovable, the point of the episode being named that (laughs) is to make a point. Because it's often that when we get frustrated with people in our lives, we think, I'm just going to wash my hands of you. You're so annoying because we don't want to deal with the Karens in our lives. We don't want to deal with the the landlords who won't fix our stuff. Just all the people that you can think of that could possibly be annoying in your life. It would be much easier to just annoy them, to just get back at them and move on with your life. But that's not the life that God calls us to. The episode being titled The Unlovables would be like naming an episode deal uh, like you, you name an episode dealing with Karen. And then people are like, oh, your episode is about hating on Karens. But actually turns out if you listen to the nuance of the episode, it's telling you to do the opposite of what everyone would like to do to Karens. No, if you just listen to the episode, it's that you're you're playing cards and you're taking turns giving out the cards <laughs> with Karen. <laughs> ten out of ten pun. <laughs> But these guys won't even pay attention to what the point of the episode is because they're too busy hating on the fact that it's evangelical to reap any fruit and information from it, hmm. apparently. So going back to episode one, Meet the Morrisons, you've got a lot of banter in the family and the kids are picking on each other, kind of having attitudes. I saw a review of season one of Down Gilead Lane on Amazon that said, and eh, this wasn't really for our family. The kids had two bad attitudes and it wasn't, or my kids really weren't interested in that. I'm like, oh, well, I could talk about that. But also that's just a testament to the Morrisons are more of the focus than the Richters. And we see more of the negative sides of the Morrisons than we really ever do the Richters be, just because they're so well fleshed out. Like we definitely see a lot of negatives in the Richters, but the Morrisons are the ones who are learning like Haley and love rules. She's a brat in that episode. And she learns not to be like that. And who's the one who teaches her a a better way to think about the privileges she has in her family? Maya, the Richter, the unlovable. Huh? I love love rules. Okay. 
Oh, yeah. And should not yeah. be loved, really. <laughs> um, but, like, we have yeah. to go through... Although this could just be part of their sarcasm of, yeah, we've we've done 41 of these episodes. Oh, yeah, these characters should not be loved. But it's just kind of a weird juxtaposition. Wouldn't it suck if we got to the end of this episode and they were like, just kidding, we've been mocking this the whole time. We really were, we, we were grasping at straws trying to come up with things to hate about this. Return to Gilead's not actually that bad of a podcast. And we've just wasted an hour. <laughs> well... See, the I'm thing is, too that, much, I think. See, the, the <laughs> thing is, they kind of do that, but worse. Oh. This scene where Timmy is like, hey, dad, something with a dog. And the dad's like, no, fuck off, Timmy. I have to go pick up your mom. Who that is not what he says. He says, hey, hang on for a second. Well, I could even open up my notes. I don't think the it's R-rated a rated version of Beth, <laughs> of Beth Culp's Return to Gilead. No, 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 no. They no, had to no, cut no. that line. <laughs> oh, that's. Oh, no. Anyway, what is what is his point in telling Timmy to 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 not talk right now? I think it, if you keep playing, we'll figure it out. Okay. Who's car can down? Well, I think that means it's time for our patented segment. Who's a good boy? It's you. AJ's doghouse. <gasps> What's up, my strays and spays? Welcome back to AJ's doghouse, the only recurring segment that. Put Wait, he, so he's gonna move on. Uh, a little bit. I guess. Should, should I open up my notes? Well, he's, he's gonna talk about Kipper. Should I open up my notes for for that episode, for episode two, or do we really have to get into no. this? No. Wait. Let's just move on. All right. What's the wolf in you? This oh. week. This week's dog. <laughs> I'm getting the bleep so much, so much. Who puts the cur in curvaceous is none other than Kipper no. Jennings, the good yeah. boy next door who gets caught sniffing around the Morrison's yard. What's he trying to dig up, and why is it definitely the previous owners of the Morrison home? <laughs> what does this sleek cargo get for his trouble? A rock that breaks his back leg, thrown by one of the Morrison children. Yes. <laughs> On a scale of one to Gonker, this adorably tragic boy gets a shadow trying to climb up the muddy hole only to slide back down again. Mm -hmm. This has been AJ's doghouse. Good riddance. <laughs> you don't wanna you don't wanna talk about uh, the main dog on Gilead? You're not even trying, want, guys. Yeah, I, I would love to say that I want a segment of AJ's doghouse where he talks about the main dog. Finn. Finn. McCool, who's but based I on don't. It was was that a bit? <laughs> Apparently. Like, I I thought bits were supposed to be funny. Here, 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 no, Ryan. No, no, Ryan. no shade to you, AJ. But that I, I don't okay. I I know comedy, and I also know when someone's trying to be funny. By being fast, just talking really fast and saying things in a way that their words are varied and they talk about a lot of things, but they don't actually make a joke. The only joke you made in here was implying that the Morrisons killed the previous owners and buried them in the backyard for some reason. Which, which was random and you could make about would be anybody. Funny. You know, it, 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 there's a quote from VeggieTales. Whatever happened to funny because it's true? <laughs> Whatever. Instead, we get funny because it's unexpected, which well, is just randomness. You can't even say it's funny because and it's AI a meme. Can do better. And maybe it's a meme on this podcast. But I was going to mention something, and I completely forgot what it was. I could Ooh, try to get back no, into this. Okay. No, that's, that's. Well, I was. Oh, I was going to say, you want a bit? He, he, he. Sure. 
Ah, uh, 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 see, we've, we've got good bits. We have, we I have mean, bits. They're okay. Yeah, they're, they're okay. They're I ours. Need, I, we've got like two months. I need to go back and listen to all of Gilead and all of Return to Gilead again. You're just make to, a montage. Either a montage or just so that I can reference them all in the final episode. One yes. Of those two. Okay. Every dog from the 90s is dead. AJ's Dog House. <gasps> AJ, I love that, as as I've said this uh, many, many times before in these yes. 41 episodes that we've done, yes. I love that, <laughs> that your AJ's Dog House outro starts as a Gregorian chant. <laughs> like, you were just like, I'm going to improvise a tune. And- I don't think these guys have, yeah, they don't have a leg to stand on when they're talking about, we're three minutes in, we haven't started the episode, when you're talking about an inside joke from an inside joke. I mean, they can make whatever inside jokes they want. We do that. I'm sure someone who listened to an episode of our podcast out of context would be like, oh my goodness, get on with the point. What are you talking about? I don't even know what you're talking about. Well, like one one of my editing philosophies is that I have to cut a lot from episodes of Return to Gilead because I need to make it fit into 25 minutes. But I've never cut something that I thought was actually substantial or something that like and that's not to throw shade on either of us. So it's like we, we talk about a lot. A lot of the stuff is great. But a lot of the stuff that I cut is like, okay, how does this relate to the actual episode? So if it's a, a tangent of a tangent of a tangent, I'll probably cut that. So somebody listening to a random part of Gilead might get a he 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 or, or something that's not even connected to Gilead in there somewhere, but we don't spend copious it takes amounts three of time. Seconds. Yes, yes, it's it's very efficient, and I instantly something you'll notice whenever I do reviews with you. Sometimes if we get on a tangent, I will tie that back in to the original thing, and I'll say yeah, and that's important to this episode of Gilead because of this, and I'll seg- try to segue from that. It's not just yeah. easier to listen to, I think, because it's. You know, segways are easy to listen to. If You're maintaining if a consistent well. stream of thought, right. even amidst real, uh, even amidst bunny trails. Yeah, but th- this just seems self-congratulatory. On wow, I love your little bit there. But we're we're here to talk about like, never tell talk- the audience how to feel. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about that on the podcast recently. Let's keep going. And then it's just like, this is what the priests would always sing. Well, no, no, it's, it's content dictates form. So, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I did a couple of versions of it, but it was just like, I can't really fully deny the Catholicism coming through. Well, right? when we did that one-off bit about you and uh, cats when we were reviewing the Left Behind Kids radio series, <laughs> uh, that yeah, one yeah. was in, that one. I've only listened to half of that. I need to go back and listen to more. More of the Left Behind series or yeah. their review? <laughs> No, 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 no. The Left Behind series. I stopped at book 16, and this was... I'm sure they had very interesting thoughts. I think it's the one of the greatest audio dramas of all time, along with Gilead, and that's... A, oh, 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 wow. I haven't reconciled this. Is that this. what we're doing next? Oh, I, well, I don't know. I haven't... I, th- I think we're kind of getting into something similar with Red Rock, but I'm... I need to reconcile this. What do I think is yeah. the best? Gilead? Left Behind Adults <laughs> or Left Behind the Kids, part one. What do I think is best? I don't know. Because those are three great series. I, that would, Yeah. I, I, I think I'd probably stick with Gilead. I haven't heard the audio dramas. I've only read the books. But um, like, I'm sure the production quality mm. is stellar from what you've told me. Yes. I think that I would differ theologically because I've huh. done a good deal of research on the Left Behind books. And it's, it's like... The Chosen, but almost worse, in that it takes so much creative license that it becomes untheologically sound. Hmm, okay. Because it's, I... It's when sort I was, of 
it's yeah. sort of like the like okay you could take that verse out of context and tell us that it's going to be this thing but people did that 100 years ago and they were wrong and they did it 200 years ago and they were wrong and people did that 300 years ago and they were wrong so i mm, okay failed to think that uh, Jerry B. Jenkins is the first prophet in forever, and he managed to fit it into his very, uh, very uh, financially successful fiction series. I would like to have this conversation at, at another time because I know this is something. This, this That's is not true. Let's keep good. going. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but all that to say, I was, I was going to say real quick, episode eighty four of the Left Behind Adults, I think, is the best audio drama episode from a production standpoint. Uh, okay. it's the one, yeah, and um, I think the lost one from Odyssey is the best arc, but Gilead overall would have the best seasons or the best story, the best well-defined characters. I think is is what we've said. Just to kind of cap yeah. that off, where we're coming from. Okay, it was an ubi caritas, and I don't even think you realized that. No, I didn't. And also, it, it goes to my theory that like the Morrisons themselves um, okay, are that's, Catholic. That's so enough. <laughs> I, 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 honestly, <laughs> so your Gregorian chant that you made up about the Morrison's neighbor's dog contributes to your theory that the Morrison's are Catholic. You're these aren't jokes. Okay. I don't know what they are. <laughs> I've been wanting to pull the plug on this stupid <laughs> bit for like Okay. It so, was your idea. I know it was my idea, but we had some fun. Don't we have fun here, folks? Look. We do have fun. Hey, you have fun at the expense of us, I think. Right? No. Keep going. Hey, hey, listeners! <laughs> it looks like we're all slapping floor in Odyssey hey, terms. There we go. No, so oh, obviously all. the joke uh, that we done because it's April Fool's Day week. Um, April Fool's Day week. So I got into huge trouble for doing that. Um, I revealed the album sixty-seven episode titles, which were fake, and I left it up for about a week. And uh, a lot of people were ticked at me because you don't do April Fool's jokes on days after April Fool's. So you can you can be fine to say this is a parody, this is a troll, but it doesn't really make sense to say this is an April Fool's joke, just from experience. Unless you have a different opinion on that, Ryan. They can do. I'm gonna guess that they just were late producing the episode or something. But Whatever. It it's fine. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We've we've explained we've expressed how much we don't care so far. It's many Episode days 41. after April Fool's. Well, obviously, it's we've, so many days after we've been joking about doing this, of course. And yes. then the joke, uh, just to explain the joke, because jokes are funnier when you explain them. Yes. Uh, is that yes. we haven't the really done 41 thing. episodes of this. We usually do Adventures in Odyssey. Here's the <laughs> thing, though. Everything else that we've <laughs> talked about is 100% true. Nope. 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 We've, we fact check a lot of what you've said. Some of it is fair. Some <laughs> of it is absolutely not true. You're you're saying that the the Richters always stay the bad people and that they are unlovable and that they are said to be unlovable is not true. Grace's testimony is that she is just blind. That is not true. The what else? That's the pans thing is like poorly verified. It, it, the pans, the, the pans and coals on the head thing is just as poorly verified on their end as it was on Zach's, except Zach's actually has like some Google ability and yeah. their claim doesn't. Grace just randomly leading all the kids. It's strange that without providing a reference, uh, that was not backed up. There is an in-universe reference. So uh, at best, they've said a lot of subjective things about it without providing references and just talked about an intro. At worst, they're completely mocking it. They didn't get into it. So they, they played just the clip of Zach. Do, yeah. they, do they talk about, like, do they address any scene in the entire episode that's not just the intro 
Well, first, let's hear what they have to say about the series overall. This, this is, is a, a real, real show, show, guys. It's yes. called Down Gilead Lane. It was produced in my hometown of Grand Rapids, Michigan, yes. by an organization called Keys for Kids. Yes. Uh, and no, Children's Bible Hour. You should know that. And formerly uh, Children's Man, Bible. Oh, I guess they did know it, but okay. Hour, which was a radio show started in 1942, and it only stopped airing as <laughs> Children's Bible Hour like a decade-ish ago. Yeah. yeah. Um, so this is fucking sicko shit. You know, this is. Like <laughs> Keep going. Like, Keep going. This is like the evil, dark Calvinist Michigan version yeah. of, of Adventures in Odyssey. Brian, what does Calvinism have to do with any of this? What? <laughs> the, uh, no, no, the no, guys, is... guys, you said you Hold said up. you were stopping the April Fools. Keep, stop, stop fooling us. What do you mean, Calvinist? Do they know what Calvinism is? <laughs> Calvinism says that God is completely sovereign, and that He has control over everything in our lives. It is a way to provide hope. And assurance of salvation, guys. That's, what you, I mean, that's debatable, but I, I know. But what do you? That's that's me. What are you talking about? And like another tenet of Calvinism is a certain amount of predestination versus free will argument, and that's not even the point of the show. No, the, the show doesn't <laughs> never gets really into that. Give a stance on either. I think they're just it flinging around either. terms: evangelical, Calvinist, sicko. You don't you don't even know what these mean. You're not, you're not substantiating I, I them. You're not they providing know what them. sicko means. Well, that's fair. But, yeah. Do you think it was your be like, we should do this for April Fool's? Well, I, yeah, I do think it was it, that. I mean, it was some. I, can I just say, I am so sad that the, the little press that Gilead is getting outside of us is this negative. Because if you just have people who run in with this perspective and tear it apart, they're missing out on what we've come to believe is one of the best audio dramas we've ever heard. And. Are, are we just misled? Is it actually this bad? How can you how can you have people like us and people like the Gilead fan base who's been so positive and yet people from the outside world from the deconstructionist standpoint view this as worse than Odyssey? How do you get there? Well, here's the thing. This podcast, I would I, I have a little bit of hope because this podcast is not popular. This mm -hmm. has 569 subscribers, nice. which I have more than that on my channel that I haven't uploaded to barely in the last three or four years. Foreshadowing. <laughs> we're we're going we're gonna to talk about that. But anyway, continue. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. That threw me off. Foreshadowing. Uh, their Left Behind movie review has 58 views. Most of their episodes have somewhere between 40 and like 300 views. This particular episode has 208. They are not popular. I'm not offended that this exists because these guys seem to be very mockery focused. And I don't really like personally, I don't think that makes a quality podcast. I probably no. wouldn't listen to these guys as a source or uh, go to for useful information i just don't tend to enjoy people who sit down at a microphone and spend time with each other half of it talking about what i would consider to be baseline immature schoolroom locker room humor where they mm -hmm. talk about sonic pooping for like three minutes straight and then the rest is talking about a thing they don't like and just insulting it without understanding it mm-hmm which isn't it's everything the, wrong that, with the the negative stereotypes of atheism and deconstructionists which like it uh, if they are listening to this if it, i here is my honest opinion 
to these people, I love you. I hope that you would maybe give return to Gilead or not return. I hope that you would give down Gilead Lane another chance because it seems that when you listen to it, you possibly misheard a few things and misunderstood. And I have all the faith that you have the drive and the capability intellectually to rightly divide what an episode is trying to say mm -hmm. and discern what the truth and message is contained within, as well as do the same to determine what it might have to say that's wrong. I have all the confidence that these hosts are capable of that. It's just sad that it seems that this is a place where maybe they listen to it as kids or they, they passively listen to an episode or two and they got the wrong idea. They maybe misunderstood what the message of the episode was supposed to be. And that is totally valid. There, When you have lived a life that has brought you to a point where Christians as a whole tend to have bad messages, which I will totally grant that they do very frequently. Do things like Donkey Ali or like just any <laughs> pick, pick your nineties Christian content that isn't good. And that's an example of how not to do it. And when you get used to Christian content being just that bad and that's so, like just so laser focused on winning souls that they forget to actually make something good and do their research. It's easy to assume that all the content that's out there that is created by Christians hasn't done its research. Yep, that's called and survivorship to, bias. Yeah, it's called confirmation bias. And yeah. if you're going to call yourself a deconstructionist, um, I will deeply request that you do your research, that you don't. You don't become satisfied and complacent with confirmation bias because it's a very poor substitute for research and analysis. And it doesn't make you a deconstructionist. It makes mm -hmm. you a mocker. And yep. that's not really something to put in your Twitter bio. Yeah. Professional it, it, mocker of Christian <laughs> content because I'm triggered. Now, do we know for sure that these people, these guys are deconstructionists or just is, the, is that the vibe? It. Okay. All right. What do you say we keep going on here? Let's wrap this up like a Christmas. organic, but like we had been talking about doing the series. We had a yes. couple comments where people mentioned it. And then yeah, there yeah, were yeah. some, uh, let's say, personal revelations that will be revealed later in this episode yeah. regarding yes. the show that cemented that we had to cover it. This is maybe our most expensive episode of the podcast to date because <laughs> <laughs> I had to spend $200 to get a USB thumb drive that contained every episode of. And I'm sorry, you did. Them? You did I, not. I really want to know if he listened to them. I think he only listened to the first episode and one way, which one way is an That's episode from really season twelve. Poor, there are better ways to purchase this. You listen to you get the MP3s. Yeah. For much also, cheaper. also, uh, keep listening. It's a good show. Down Gilead Lane, except Ooh. for apparently a. Also, thank you for donating keys for kids. Appreciate it. Handful of cut episodes. Yeah, how that many parents episodes complained about? Are there? There's. There are three. Oh yeah, yeah. He's talking about the lost episodes, uh, which you used to be able to get on. Uh, I think I think they're available somewhere on ReturnToGilead.com, but the site is down right now. So uh, don't quote me on that. It's a moot point. Uh, yeah, it's definitely over. It's maybe like a hundred twenty. I didn't actually count them all together of Down Gilead Lane and what was later <laughs> called Beyond Gilead because there was something about the rights with the original owner, Beth Culp, of, of the first like, Yeah, there seemed seasons. to be some sort of split there. But also, yeah. if you... Here's the thing. 
not counting them is one thing, but like if you want to find out any information on this, please go to Down Gilead Lane's broken ass website. <laughs> not the Down Gilead Lane wiki? Guys, you know about Return to Gilead, but you don't reference the, the wiki. You just want to reference how bad the website is, which it's actually not that broken. Needs a little bit of a facelift, but it's not. You would not... know about broken websites, Michael. No, <laughs> I'm kidding. You shut your face. It's it's not <laughs> it's not the problem that the website is, you know, not able to be navigated uh, on my end. It's that the, the database doesn't exist. But the thing with right. the thing with the Why are they, uh, is there a problem with the DGL website? Yeah. So if you go there, it's a little weird to try to figure out how to navigate from episode to episode, but then you do it eventually. The summaries are really poor on there, so but that's not what they're talking about. If you click onto the, the nav bar, it'll take you to another part of the site that still has similar links on the nav bar. But I think maybe it's it's a slightly different site, so one of the links might disappear or something like that. Sure. It's not it's not unnavigable. It I've used, used some it. TLC. I've used so they they made that part of the website as a response to return to Gilead.com, actually. I put out the DGL stat ah. spreadsheet and then the season list with my placement of the special episodes was put on their website. So nice. either Greg Yoder or what's I've talked to some of the the, the guys back uh, who who work at Keys for Kids about the website and stuff. So yeah, they they know about the podcast, they know about us. But anyway, yeah, uh yeah, anyway that. Which is <laughs> nigh unnavigatable. Like dear g- getting the thumb drive, it was like, oh they're unnavigable? I don't care. Innavigable? Inav- Not able to be navigated, which is already false. It's hyperbole. Yeah. There's no titles. It's all in the metadata somewhere. Right. And when- There's no titles? Sorry, Ryan, how did you get your, your copy of the entire series? Did you did you you I got it that it. way? Yeah. I think they're talking about so I do actually know what they're referring to, I believe, because I remember that I was trying to it was it was when we were listening to the episode where we were trying to figure out where the hope episode fit in the chronology. Yeah. So that we wouldn't listen to it out of order. <clears throat> so we went to the DGL website and lots of things were out of order. I don't know when when did they make this episode? Was it this year? Yeah, this was April 5th, 2023. Oh, okay, then I don't know what they're talking about. No. Yeah. I don't know if it's changed, but I do know, like, I tried to click on episodes, and it was unclear where in the chronology they were. Yeah. There were sometimes incomplete descriptions and such, and it was weird. Yeah, that's why you need to, if you want to help contribute once the site's back up, you can go to the DGL wiki and add episode descriptions, add more navigation ways to, to get around on there. The The media wiki structure is really a great way to organize this. I wish the people of our keys for kids would, you know, link to us a little bit more, but I think they just want to stay out of it anyway. Whenever right. I was like importing everything into audition to grab clips, every clip, you only grabbed the clip of the first episode, <laughs> the second episode, clips, two. clips, <laughs> two. Clips as in clips two as in the two clips. clips from the same scene that you used, <laughs> and that scene was the first intro. It this wasn't even what, a scene. This is why I don't get. Zach guys, isn't even scenes. You've, you've already established this is an April Fool's episode. Just tell us you don't care, and you were just making fun of it the whole time. Just tell us that I'll, you you gain so much no, more respect for doing. We that. care so much that you tell us. Clip <laughs> said the metadata's f***ed up. Warning! Warning! F- up metadata in these. Yeah, and when you got that, that USB drive, it was from that guy in that trench coat in the alley by your house, right, Brian? Yes. Yeah. I mean, the envelope was filthy. It was <laughs> disgusting. 
wow, wow, you're just trying to figure out any reason to 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 talk bad about Keys for Kids, aren't you? That's um. Keys for Kids is drugs now, apparently. Hmm. When it got was it here. really? I don't know really? what kind of journey it had to oh. take. Maybe it was a dog's journey. I don't know. <laughs> so I just wanted to clear a couple other things before we jump into the, and I cannot emphasize this strongly enough, very real episode of this very real radio show. Um. Nothing that we've said so far, including the bit about the dog and the kid who throws rocks at the dogs and the bitch family, none of yes. that is a joke. Um, sorry. I'm sorry you were so deluded to think that. I'm sorry you spent so much money to only listen to the first episode. But you're you're really selling yourself short, guys. You could have had such a strong critique of how Gilead pushes the evangelical message in a way that is harmful to non-Christians in a very winsome, compelling, reference-filled way that I might not even I might not necessarily have agreed with, but that we could have had a, co- a cool discourse about. But instead, you you just settled for this nonsense. It's so confusing. I'm looking at their description right now on YouTube. And in the description, they have Episodes media reference. referenced in this episode, and they actually bring the receipts. They have season one, episode two, unlovable. Episode six, stars and gripes. They don't episode no. three, beauty and Whoa. the beast within. They, they don't episode reference three, stars and gripes or beauty thir- and the beast within. Or season three, episode thirteen, summer camp blues. No, 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 Beyond no. Gilead. They- <laughs> Hold wow. on, let me talk. Sorry, sorry. Season twelve, episode five, one way. Return to sense. Gilead. Oh, return to Gilead. Wait, they reference us. They reference us. Yes, they reference us. Just coming up in the next ten seconds. Hold on, let's keep going. Okay, but for, first, I want to say no. You didn't reference those episodes. I don't believe you. And yeah. the, the, the Zach, the fake Chris, is a real guy whose name real. is not actually Zach. The clips, he has a different name. <laughs> the clips yeah. that we played. The only reason you would know that is because you listened to our interview with Phil Ayers, a great guy. It's so far 100% real. But the last thing that I wanted to frame up real quick before we jump back into the recap is just a little bit actually about Beth Culp, who we previously mentioned, the person who made this. All you really need to know is that she's from Wisconsin. Uh, She lost her brother in a car accident when she was 11. Oh, At that time uh, in her school, they sang a number of like traditional uh, songs. One of those was Balm and Gilead, which is a Uh traditional African-American spiritual, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a very meaningful experience for her. So Balm and Gilead is a song that's been in her head. She interviewed with CBH Ministries, Children's Bible Hour, at the age of 22 and oh got hired based on a book pitch that she had for a family living in a place called Coleraine down a street called Gilead Lane. Hey there, you are listening to a preview of a pre- Oh, hang on. What is this? You can actually pinpoint the second when his heart rips in half. Oh, hang on. What now. Premium episode of the Worst of All Possible Worlds. If you'd like to listen to the rest of this, head on over to our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash worst of all. And you can listen to not only the rest of this episode, but our entire backlog of premium episodes, bonus episodes. And if you subscribe at the $10 tier, you will get an extra episode of the podcast every single month. Again, that is patreon.com slash worst of all. Hope to see you there. Oh, oh, uh, so, I, I so think um, what they're saying. And so the reason <clears throat> going back that they have all these sources listed that we didn't hear them reference. And also the reason that they've taken so long talking about this is because it's not even the full episode. 
we are listening to a preview of what is probably a two-hour episode if i am to take the other episodes that they had like they have a two-hour episode prior to this they have another two-hour episode about mr whitaker um it sounds like they just have 20 minute snippets of some of their more popular or possibly more popular episodes, which, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a neat way to go about it. I'm very curious to hear what else they have to say in the other episode, because it sounds like they probably actually reference us and not just our interview, but possibly more about return to Gilead slash down Gilead lane. That said, it's not worth money to me per se. No, but I, I, I do also kind of want to listen to that. Um, well, if you want to pay like the $1, how much does it cost to be a patron? I'm looking it five up right now. Five a month to be their grand inquisitor. It's five? It's five a month? Five a month. Wait, are you wait are, are you looking at this right now? Yes, I oh, am. Oh, oh, what is five? Five a oh. month is their first tier Ugh. where you get exclusive episode access to every full-length episode, including premium ones. You also get a credit for your name on their... Oh my goodness, we could put Return to Gilead on their website. Own the libs. <laughs> <laughs> and um, you would get occasional Patreon-exclusive episodes, including uh, monthly episodes of Fancy Movie Time with Brian and AJ. You remember I, AJ, he was the one with the cool dog skit. The cool the cool dog skit, the, the awesome, cool, fun, interesting, cool, creative, cool, intuitive, enlightening, cool dog skit. What issue could I possibly take with this fun, awesome, great, fun, cool, entertaining, excellent, fun, slick, vision-driven, creative, fun scene? If you did 20 a month, you could get an extra special, very copious credit on the homepage of their website. You know, I... I'm struggling to figure. Uh, I don't know. On the one hand, I, you know they are was... actually somewhat popular. They've got 500 plus patrons, and they make over two thousand dollars a month. So this was this. Um, this was awful. I don't know if listening to the full episode would actually make for more interesting content. But Ryan, uh, do you <laughs> would this if I had if I did have the full episode. Would that be something you'd even want to devote that much time to? Like, we spent a fair amount here breaking down this 20-minute episode. If we could episode. be a little bit more efficient, I could find it in my heart hmm. to listen to it in its entirety and give my thoughts at the end and also throughout. Interesting. I well, will say, so here is my conclusive thought on at least this preview. Okay. Noting that it is a preview, I'm going to retract previous statements about the efficiency with which they conducted the episode. Because I was under the impression that they were going to cover everything within 20 minutes. The fact that they aren't, I can understand them kind of dinking around and making their inside jokes and doing so for as long as they did. Perfectly fine, assuming that they actually get to the point in the full episode. Um, even so, I don't find that they really had much of substance <clears throat> to offer. They poked holes in things, except they didn't really poke holes. It, it was like... When you try to poke a hole in the argument and you just kind of like bat at the paper and mm. then say, yeah, I really showed that piece of paper. You, you didn't poke any holes in it, though. You didn't show any reasons that anything was wrong. You just said that it was and then made derogatory comments. And again, yep. I love you. I, I don't appreciate 
it because it's not the way I would do a podcast. It doesn't have to be, though. You can do a podcast how you wish. I just don't think that it's a way to really appeal to anyone other than those who already agree with you, which if that's what you're going for, that's perfectly fine. Mm. I do my best to try to share my information in a way that it's accessible to everybody and it's in a format that they're going to maybe still disagree with but at least we can both come out of the experience with me having shared my heart and my analysis without acting like other people are stupid for disagreeing with me but also the person who listens can come away from it maybe having something to think about and then mm-hmm. they can decide whether they agree with me or not. Yeah. So there's a reason I don't put Return to Gilead behind a paywall. And that's because I want to have an open discourse about the episodes. I want there to be, if anybody has a problem with what I'm saying, to call me out on it, to be able to use the references from the podcast and use them publicly in a way that's not your sharing paid content. And in fact, if we were to sub- like to join the Patreon and listen to the episode, I don't even know if we would be allowed to react to it, depending on how that goes. Like, it's fair use. So, yes, we could we could react to it in a way that's transformative. But at the same time, I don't know... Like, I don't know how that would... Yeah, well, yeah. I think what we would probably have to do is listen to it, give our thoughts, and then be like... Because here's the difficulty. I don't expect anyone listening to our podcast to say, oh, I really want to go pay to listen to this premium episode so that I can hear what Ryan and Michael had to say about it. So like mm-hmm. maybe to that extent, maybe we won't do a further review of this podcast. Yeah. Like, we might listen to it for ourselves, but I don't expect any of you to go pay for it. And given what preview I've seen here, I don't really encourage you to go pay for it. Yeah, I don't it's... feel like this is a endeavor that will line the pockets of people who are doing fantastic work. Mm hmm. That said, if you wanted to line the pockets of people doing fantastic work, I do have a Patreon. Yes, yes. Ryan, talk about your Patreon. Go for it. Okay. I apologize. My Patreon is in shambles right now. (laughs) My Patreon is patreon.com slash the Ryan Matlock, I believe. Mm -hmm. Um, Might be wrong about that. I should find out. Give me a sec. Anyway, well, I'll talk about mine real quick. I don't have a Patreon, but... Well, I mean, it was just while you're looking it up, uh, you can if you if you want me to just fill time while you well, I don't interrupt your train sure, of thought. Fine. That's fine. Uh, OK, um, I'll talk about the, the Return to Gilead site right now. So Return to Gilead and AIO Audio News and the DGO Wiki and a friend for Woodgrove. All those sites are on the same server. So that's why they're down right now. However, there is a function on a friend from Woodgrove that I will be talking about once Ryan uh, finishes his little spiel on his patreon okay my patreon has a few things to it you will get your name in the credits of any video that i post on youtube at a specific tier additionally it's got a few other things like you can get um some custom music that i've made in the past for my videos if you would like the files to that i can send you that as part of the membership as well that said I am in the process of figuring out a completely new format for my Patreon because I'm interested in providing a lot more value to people who want to pledge to my Patreon because really it's just a way to say, hey, I appreciate the content you make, whether that's YouTube or podcasts or Return to Galead, whatever it is, or even my TikToks. Um, That's what it's for. So 
if you've ever been like, hey, I want to shoot like a dollar a month towards Ryan so that he can, you know, I don't know, get toys for his daughter or something. <laughs> yeah, Eliana's I worth appreciate it. it immensely. Yeah, and, I am. Uh, you, it would be awesome. Yeah, I I know you did a, a a podcast episode a long time back about supporting creators, and that really started to, to get me to think about, hmm, uh, what do mm. I think about donating to people or about paying for services that are otherwise free to support creators like that? And I need to I need to do more of that because I think yeah. Ryan, you you def- like as a fellow like as my co-host, I would definitely do that for you, like because I like your content. I if you had exclusive content that I I felt was worth my little extra bit here and there, I would love to pay for that. And I did that with Audio Theater Central for a while, and there was a lot of great content behind the scenes there, and eventually I just was in a place where I wasn't really listening to it anymore, so I I canceled that subscription. But that's where I put my money where my mouth was. So, yeah, absolutely. If you want to go check out Ryan's Patreon, I'll have that link down in the description. And uh, if you are interested in donating at all to my cause here, it's... It's it's a little interesting how this works out. I don't have like a Patreon or a donate button, but if you get a copy of Double Date from a friend from Woodgrove on a friendfromwoodgrove.com, there is a donation option on there. So if you want to donate at in any way to to me to help finance either this podcast or Woodgrove, if you're listening to that, you can donate that way. You get a and free audio drama episode out of it. You do, you do, and I don't require donations at all. In fact, right now, at least at the time of recording this, I'm giving out the the download to double date without even having uh, an email sign up for it. You can just download it straight from there because I want people to experience the content that I have without there being that kind of a paywall, but it does cost money. So I get that these, these guys put in their work to try to (laughs) review this, this episode and they, you know, they got a Patreon that helps support them. So good on, good on them at least, but uh, we don't, we don't have that. So while they, they promoted theirs, we'll, we'll promote ours as well. And if you guys want to see us review this episode or review this full episode and maybe react to it, Ryan and I'll talk about the long man bad controversy and we talk about like how long podcasts work in between then in case we want to do it again. Uh, donate five bucks to us and we'll do, we'll do it. We'll talk about it. But if not, I totally understand that. So uh, this was an interesting look into the worst of all possible worlds, episode 81. Right. Any last I words? I feel like it lives up to its name. I, I apologize <laughs> if that's, that's a bit harsh, but uh, I, I can't say that I enjoyed it immensely. And I don't really feel like I'm saying that from a position of, oh, I'm very offended that like any anyone can be like, oh, Christians are idiots. And I'll actually agree with them sometimes. Like, <laughs> yeah, the, like I've seen Donkey Ali. Christians can make some pretty terrible content. I just don't understand why. They decided Return to Gilead was down Gilead the target, Lane, but yeah, or sorry, not Return to Gilead. Down Gilead <laughs> Lane was the target that they thought was the most primitive, the most terrible to deal with. Hmm. Yeah, they had very harsh things to say about it that I don't really feel are justified, nope. and I don't nope. feel like I say that from a place of subjectivity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we like we've we provided the references, we have the receipts, as you said, Ryan. So yeah. maybe, maybe. They do in the rest of their episode, but who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Alrighty, I'm gonna I'm gonna call that here. Uh, thank you guys for listening, Ryan. We don't have an outro on this one, but I'm Michael, I guess. I'm Ryan. Peace and out. Bye bye. Thanks so much for joining us on the special weird reaction on Return to Gilead. I just call them idiots.